Well, good morning. It's good to have everybody here today. If you are in Kidmo, you can head on out to Kidmo. So if you'll pull those knees in, let those kids out. If you're a guest today and you have a second through fifth grader, Kidmo is an environment for them to go and have some fun, play some games, have their own time of teaching in small groups. If you'd like for them to participate, you're welcome to walk with your child and see where they're headed. Uh, but they are going to have a great time this morning. If you're having to stand in the back, you guys, there's plenty of room up here. You can come sit right up here with me if you want, but uh, I don't know if anybody will take me up on that. But we are awfully glad to have you here today. It is a very special day, and it's been uh, really a great weekend so far. And this kind of caps a lot of activities going on for a lot of us. And, and like Scott mentioned, I just want to say thank you to everybody who helped make this weekend happen. Uh, we had a great day yesterday at our egg hunt, Marie and our children's ministry team put, a, put all that together, and so many of you came out and volunteered, brought food, stuffed eggs. Uh, we just had a lot of fun doing that. We really appreciate all that help and all that you did. We're glad for all that you participated in that, for those who helped clean up. We also had a great time last night. David and Stephanie put on a fantastic scavenger hunt, and uh, the Godfather is still in dress this morning. So... <laughs> Uh, we had a great time last night. Kids had a lot of fun, and a lot of those things take a lot of time and energy. Uh, and no one, no one here does this full time. So we're really appreciative of all that you've done, all of our musicians. Uh, let's give a round of applause to Chad. Chad was our drummer today. This is his first time playing drums for us. I know it. Uh, that always adds to our service, and we're so thankful to have him with us today. And you know, the question is for churches: uh, Why do we do all this on Easter weekend? And the reality is that Easter is but one day that we celebrate the risen Savior, but it is a very special day to us because it it symbolizes everything that we believe life is about and the hope that we have in the future. Um, So all the other things that we do in addition uh, are just opportunities to build relationships with people, and we love being able to do that. We've been talking over the last few weeks about fear And for all of you in this room, whether this is your first time with us at Journey or whether you come every week, uh, fear is a very real thing that you and I struggle with every day of our lives. In some way, we will have to battle those fears in our lives. We'll have to come up with some solution or we're going to have to bow to those fears and the things that we do. Now, it's incredible that so many of us have so many different types of fears, and you have some fears that I may have, and and I have some fears that maybe you may or may not have, but in the end, what we know is that you and I are going to struggle with those. I shared a few videos with you a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to remind you about some of the fears that we struggle with. If you need to cover your eyes, you're more than welcome to do that, but one of the most uh, popular fears that we struggle with is heights. He struggles with sanity, but some of you struggle with heights and you're struggling right now. You're sweating. Your palms are beginning to sweat a little bit. You're feeling a little flushed. Here's another one that many of us struggle with. Many of us struggle with snakes. If you're new to journey, don't worry. We bring the snakes out at the end of the service. And we have some volunteers who have already picked you out. We'll hand you the first ones. A little more apprehensive, that's one way to put it, yes. There we go. You would never see my feet in that kind of a place in the world ever. Another fear that some of you may struggle with is the fear of blood. Seeing the sight of blood. 
Well, that's not blood. That's the most horrific bunny rabbit you'll ever find in your entire life. I mean, if you want to go buy a bunny. Sad story here at Journey. We had planned to have a bunny petting zoo yesterday at our egg hunt. And it would only happen for an egg hunt that Journey would put on. But a predator ended our bunny, egg, our bunny petting zoo early Saturday morning. So that did not happen. I'm going to tell you something. If you've been with us for a while, you know that's exactly what happens at Journey. Next one is another one that some of you struggle with. Yeah. Again, this is another situation that I would never put myself. Yeah. I think he's already dead. Doesn't he already look dead? He's been there a little too long. Now, for some of us, we don't struggle with those kinds of fears as much, or if we do, we don't put ourselves in a position to have to feel that fear. But we struggle with other things in life. We struggle with the quality of the lives that we live. Some of you are struggling right now with the fear of, am I putting enough away for retirement? What is my retirement life going to look like? Am I ever going to be able to retire? Or if I do, am I going to be able to enjoy my retirement? Some of you are struggling with the fear of the career that you've chosen. Is this really the career I want to be in? Is this really what I want to spend my life doing? Some of you struggle with, am I going to find the person that I'm going to love for the rest of my life or not? Others struggle with the fears, am I ever going to have a child of my own? Or if you have a child, is my child going to live past my stupidity as a parent? We all have different kinds of fears in our lives. And, and what we've learned to discover, and we can thank psychologists for they were spending a lot of time figuring this stuff out. But what we have learned is that you were only born with two fears. Do you remember what those two fears are? The, there you go. They're on the screen. I hope you can remember because they're right in front of you. The fear of falling. You're born with the fear of falling. You don't want to fall. And the other is loud noises. So when you, you know, come in and, or if you go to a, a, a family that has a new baby, they'll often have a sign by the doorbell. Don't ring the doorbell. You know, that you don't want to walk in and be real loud. And we were jokingly talking about the time that I first sneezed whenever we had our children. And every one of them went into a panic as soon as I sneezed because I sneezed kind of loud. But you don't like loud noises. But in, incredibly, in test after test, those are the two fears that babies are born with. Which leads us to know that every other fear that you experience in life is learned. You have learned to add that into your life. Now, uh, we also discovered that it doesn't, you don't have to experience something bad to fear it. You can watch something else or someone else go through that. And you will take on those same Feelings of fear by watching what someone else has gone through. What we know is that by age one, you will naturally begin to take on the fear of abandonment, of separation. But that all of our fears that you will ever develop basically fall into five different areas. That one, you're going to die. Two, something's going to happen to your body that it's not going to function or get you through life the way that it's supposed to. Three, that you're going to lose your independence or ability to be autonomous, to be whole and happy as yourself. And sometimes those fears of rejection and fears of being alone fall into that as well as the fear of separation. Another one that many people struggle with. It's interesting that one of the most 
successful ways to torture someone into telling you what you want to know is to put them in in a separated place in solitary confinement in isolation where they have no contact with other people. It will drive people mad because we were created to be in community with each other. And yet when we are completely alone, that brings great fear and anxiety and will break us. The last one is ego death. Ego death is one of those things that a few people may eventually experience that. That is just your sense of value in yourself. A lot of us we deal with those other things first. I don't want to die. I'm more worried about whether or not I'm going to live or die than whether or not I'm going to feel valued or valuable. Those are just some of the fears that we struggle with, some of the things that we each are going to deal with in different ways. And we interestingly discovered that God has actually commanded us not to fear. He's commanded us not to fear. Now, some of you, you fear in different ways. You You not only fear about things for the future, if you have children, you fear for your children at times, right? There are all kinds of fears that you have and fears that you can overcome. It's interesting that if you have a child and you personally have the fear of heights, but somehow they end up on a roof, you can overcome that fear of heights, can't you? I'll get up there and get my kid down no matter what it means. It's amazing how we can overcome some of those fears. God has said, I don't want you to be a people of fear. And we read in Isaiah 41.10, it says this, Fear not, for I am with you, God says. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with us. And as we come and share in communion, as we come and sing... That is ultimately what Easter is about, that God came to be with us. As we read through the story, if we were to, we're not going to read through the resurrection story today, but if we were to read through the story, we would find the love of a God who said, I am coming to rescue you. I'm coming to be with you. As we've read through some of uh, Paul's writings to Timothy, we've discovered that God has actually given you everything you need to overcome the fears in your life. It's amazing what God has chosen to provide for those that, that follow him and have the Holy Spirit living within them. He wrote to Timothy, who was his personal fear was that he was going to miss out in life if he chose a life of ministry. We know that he had family members that were strong Christians and were leaned on by the community And as Scott has already mentioned, right now, our persecution is at a really all-time high for Christians in the world. At this time, we know that if Timothy had chosen to go into ministry, it was very likely his life was going to end very badly. And so as many of us struggle with, well, is my 401k going to get me where I want to go? They were worried, am I going to be able to live and die of natural causes? And, And really only one of the apostles was ever able to do that. So Timothy had a great fear of going into ministry. And as we've looked over the last couple of weeks, let me read it again. Second Timothy one, five through seven says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Talking to Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. God has given us power 
love and self-control to overcome the fear that we deal with in our lives. We've discovered that the word for power is the exact same Greek word used to talk about the power that would raise Jesus from the dead. He would walk out of the tomb under the power of God. That is the same power, the same word that is used to describe what the Holy Spirit gives those who follow him. He gives you power to overcome anything in the world. It is his power, the same power that could speak all of creation into existence, that could take Jesus' lifeless body and breathe into it, and he would walk again. That same power is in us. To overcome whatever fear may come. We've also discovered that God has given us the ability to have self-control. Which is not the ability not to feel fear. Because as we've discovered, you can't just tell yourself not to feel afraid about something, can you? However, there are many things in life that you and I have to decide that we are going to move through beyond the feeling or emotion of fear. We have the ability to control ourselves We have the ability to focus our thoughts and our actions beyond our emotions. Now, those two are important and those two are great. And we could we could just stop with all of those things. But there's another one that we need to talk about. And it's so. So timely to talk about it on Easter Sunday. While we've gone through talking about how do we overcome our fears, and if you have a fear of snakes, you're going to walk out of here with that same fear of snakes. We're not going to help you with that. If you have a fear of heights, we're not going to help you overcome that fear of heights unless you want to volunteer on helping to put some of this stuff together. We'll put you on a ladder. That'll help. But we're not really going to help you with those kinds of fears. There are deeper, more important fears that we can help you with. Some of those fears you have that will keep you alive. (laughs) You don't need to go playing with snakes if you can't identify the difference between a poisonous and a non-poisonous snake, right? There's just no reason to be at the top of a building without any kind of support to keep you from falling off. There's just no reason to be there, right? Some of those fears are there. They're put in us so we'll survive, that we'll live, that the species will continue to prosper. But there are some fears that we can help you with. Interestingly enough, did you know God has actually commanded you to fear something? While he has said, I do not want you to fear, he has also said that we are to fear him, to fear God. Now, this puts us in a bit of a problem when we focus generally on grace, right? This is where a lot of people look at Christianity and they begin to turn it and point it in ways that God never intended for it to go. Point it in the places where God is a mean God. He's an angry God. He's a God who looks forward to judging and hurting you and doing all kinds of terrible things to you if you don't stand in the line that he wants you to stand in, right? What does it really mean to fear the Lord? But yet you and I are supposed to do that. As you can guess, I don't believe that that is in any way what God means. Psalm 33, 8, it tells us literally, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Our ability to fear can be used in so many wonderful, incredible ways. But our ability to fear can be can be paralyzing. Now, all of us in this room are at some place in life. Some of you are dealing with fear right now. Some of you have overcome fear and you are celebrating the overcoming of that fear. Some of you have had fears that you thought were going to come to pass and you're just so relieved that they didn't. Some of you just dwell. Your your kind of foundational baseline is this constant anxiety and fear. And so there's always something to fear. There's always something that can 
harm you. There's always something that can do something bad to you. But I want you to know that the fear of God is not the kind of fear of snakes or heights or bunny rabbits eating berries. Fear of God is something very different. Paul also talks about this in his own life in a different letter, not a letter to Timothy, but a letter to the church at Corinth. And he wrote, did you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? It's a run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. He's talking about eternal life with Christ. He's talking about a life that continues on well beyond when you and I will leave this earth. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others myself, I should be disqualified. See, one of the fears for Paul was that this thing that he was teaching would not be real in his life. One of the fears of Paul was that if all that he did and all the ways that he tried to share the gospel around the world, what if I have missed it? What if I myself, after all of this effort and all of this hardship, what if I myself have have missed the goal? That's a very different kind of fear, isn't it? What if all that we're doing is for nothing? What if all this time we're spending doesn't mean anything? Machiavelli said the great, the great idea, the great, great quote that said, men are driven by two principal impulses. We're driven by love or we're driven by fear. Interestingly enough, the Bible backs this up. You will be driven by love or you will be driven by fear. Now, the problem with love is that sometimes we... Just as we do with fear, we equate the reality of the thing with a feeling rather than with a behavior or an action. And so when we think about love and we read about we can live life as a life of love, that somehow we're all just going to have smiles on our faces and we're going to be as nice as we can to everybody around and we're just going to be the sweetest people on the face of the planet, which I, while I think is a great thing, that is not what he is saying. Living a life of love is not just living a sappy life where we're just all happy and hugging all the time. You know that that's not the life that you live. Even within the context of the people we love the most, within our families, our closest friends, there are times that those warm, cuddly feelings aren't there, aren't there? There are times we just don't feel wonderful. We don't feel all ooh, ooh, and I and nice, and this is just... We don't always feel that way. One of the things that I think Machiavelli has touched on, too, is that fear should not just be looked at broken down in the categories that I've shared with you. It shouldn't be broken down in death and mutilation and things like that. At the end of the day, I believe we all only really have one true fear, and every other fear that we can possibly have falls under this one fear that you and I would not live the life that we were supposed to have lived. Think about it. Any fear you have in your life, at the end of the day, what are you really afraid of? 
It's that being at the top of a building, you're afraid that your life is going to suddenly end, right? And it's going to suddenly end bad. (laughs) If it's your child and your child runs out in the middle of the street, what is your fear? Of course, your fear is that your child would be injured, but at the end of the day, our fears come back to us as in what would my life be like without my child? That's the fear. That's not the life I want to have. What about your retirement or your career or am I ever going to really satisfy the life I always hoped I was going to have when I was growing up? I always dreamed I would have. Isn't really the fear behind all of that, the belief that I'm not maybe going to have the full life I was supposed to have? Did you know that that fear was placed there? It was placed there in the garden So long ago when we were created, because God created us for so much more than you and I live for right now. We celebrated Easter that Jesus rose from the dead. It was a conquering of sin. It's the ability for us to overcome what happened so long ago that took us away from what we were created for. And in that moment, that is where fear entered into humanity. We struggled with, what is life going to look like? What if I don't have the life, experience the life I was created for? I know some, don't, some struggle with that. You're so independent to believe that you were created by someone else for something other than what you want it to be. is is difficult to swallow. I recognize that. But at the end of the day, that's where we are. That's how we're built. And that's where humility comes into the gospel because we recognize it's not about me anymore. It's about somebody else. There was really only one true fear that we are going to not have the life we had hoped. But interestingly enough, we find in Scripture that there is a perfect antidote to fear. Did you know that? Similarly to what Machiavelli said, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Now think about that. Does that mean that if you and I have, you know, we make a romantic evening with our significant other that all of a sudden, hey, we have no more fear. Some of you, the very thought of a candlelight dinner with a significant other inspires great fear. <laughs> what does it look like for love to truly cast out fear? If we read a little more context into that, starting with verse 7, it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. Excuse me. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This rescuing, this relationship that was broken in the garden that we can have again, you and I right now here in this place, not just somewhere down the future, but we can have Right now, that love can be within us. It is God who can be within us. 
By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. Now, I want you to back up just for a second before we finish this and remember What did Paul say to Timothy? You have been given power to overcome fear. That power is that dunamis power that is able to raise Jesus from the dead. God's power within you. By this, his love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is also, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love. Isn't that true? But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Isn't that interesting? Fear is all about punishment. It is about bad things happening. It is about something that we would never choose for ourselves happening to us without our power or ability to control it. At the end of the day, we recognize that fear is also telling us that I am not in control of the life that I live like I think I am. There are so many indicators of that, but sometimes we we just miss it. Sometimes I just forget that I am not in control of this world. Things happen. Some of you grew up at a time that I did. I, I grew up watching the Gary Shandling show. Did anybody else do that? Some of you don't know who Gary Shandling is, and that's a real shame. He was somebody before he was an actor in Iron Man. And he died unexpectedly this week. Lots of rumors swirl, of course, when a celebrity dies and said he's just a healthy guy. He was out being active, doing all kinds of things. He just had a massive heart attack and was gone this week. No salacious story, no... Drugs in his system, no crazy lifestyle. The guy just, he just, his heart just gave out. He died. So for many of us, the idea that I can truly control my future, I can truly control what's going to happen, it, it almost becomes laughable because we don't have the control that we think we do in the world. And in that, we find God's love because he has chosen to rescue us because he does have control. Many of us know John 3.16, but maybe you're not as familiar with what follows. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. He didn't come to punish, to cause fear. He came to rescue and cause liberation. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. That he's not, he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now let's go back just for a second to the fact that God has said we're supposed to fear Him. And certainly there is judgment that you and I can fear. Now, I fear judgment all, all the time. I, I don't want anybody judging me. I don't know about you. I, they make me mad. I, I can choose to avoid people if I feel like they're going to judge me, right? Nobody likes to be 
judged. Fun time uh, during your your uh, annual time at work is whenever you get to have your evaluation from your supervisor, right? Don't you look forward to those weeks? And you probably look forward to them more than your supervisor does, honestly, but nobody likes to feel judged. And yet true fear, when we begin to recognize that there's really only one fear that all of us struggle with, the fear that my life will not be what it was supposed to be, all comes back to this. Deep within us, built within our souls, is the knowledge that we're going to stand before and give an account for our lives. We can reject it. We can ignore it. We can cover it up. We can tell ourselves it's not there. It's still there. When we look at the fear of God, we can easily say, well, God's going to judge and he's harsh and he's cruel. And he will judge me. And yet what we read so many times, place after place, is that God did not come desiring to condemn. He will judge, but He came wanting to rescue. Because God knows that in your life, you are an eternal existence. Your life will not end. And the crazy thing is most of us are spending most of our lives focused on a very short period of all of eternity. Think about it. How many of your fears have anything to do with the life that you have after you die? Maybe a few of you do, if you think about that. Maybe you grew up in a very hard household, and, and uh, you know we, we grew up at a time, Deidre and I grew up at a time where revivalists were coming around to every church, and the way they got invited to the next church was how many salvation decisions they got at the previous church. And so they would give this huge spill, and if you're... unsure that you're saved, you're 100% unsaved. And they would say things like that, and we would just think, God is never going to accept me. I'll never do enough. But that is not who God is. It's not the kind of God that we serve. It's not what God wants, because God wants to redeem all of eternity for us. Some of you are wondering what I brought in my box, and if you've been here before, you know I don't do well with props. Sometimes props come back to bite me. Don't have a snake in here. And I don't have the leftover bunnies in here either. Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That was awful. Kids are out of here. They should be out of here. That was terrible. Well, praise God for grace. All right. Some of you may have seen this before. It's the rope. I hope you've seen it before. Maybe you've seen what I'm going to do with the rope before. I want you to imagine that you are an eternal being, you have an eternal existence. While you, you have a beginning, a, a, a time when you were born, you do not have an end. That is what we believe as we read through Scripture. As we've studied in the last few months about can we trust Scripture, we find that the historical and literary evidence tells us that the Bible is more trustworthy than any other physical, historical character we believe to be true in the past. The Bible is trustworthy and it tells us that you are to live forever. I want you to imagine that your life, and it all, every illustration breaks down, but I want you to imagine that this is your life from the beginning to the time in which you, you cease to exist. Now, here's what's so interesting. If that's true, this part here at the end of the rope, that is, that is the time that you have here. This is the 
40, 50, 80, 100 years you have on this planet. This is the, the life that most of us spend 100% of our time focused on. But if the Bible is to be trusted, look at all of this other that's out there that is going to happen well after we have passed from this earth into the next. Just imagine. See, when it comes to fears, what most of us are struggling with is this little portion right here of our eternal existence. It's this portion right here. And I'm thinking, you know, I have to really make sure I have the right career and I need to make that decision Oh, right about here, because that's going to affect all of this. But do we ever stop to think about all of that? How does it affect all of that? For our fears that we have, what if, what if my retirement is not going to carry me through? And so I'm going to just stress and labor and do everything I can because I want my retirement to be a time where I can rest and relax. And so I'm, I'm going to really work hard here so I can enjoy this part right here. And so many of us, our entire existence is built on that. If you have grown children, you know what a lot of us with young children are learning. And that is that the time that you think you're going to have with your children it, it vanishes quickly, doesn't it? Because they go on to live lives of their own. If you're uncertain about that, just ask yourself, how much time do you spend with mom and dad? Some of you, I hope you don't still live with mom and dad if you're my age, but some of you may. <laughs> Boomerang generation tells us that we will move back with our families at least five times. I tell my parents, I, that's, hey, I should have a really good inheritance because I've not used any of those five yet. The reality is that most of us spend 100% of our time focused on this right here. And yet when Jesus went to the grave and then walked back out of it, he was focused on all of this other that's back here. I'm just, just to picture that. I know this is hard to picture. We can't picture eternity. Even this breaks down at some point. But how much of the fear that you're living with that dominates your life, that is controlling where you spend your time and your resources, how much of it is focused on this little part right here? See, now we have God's power to overcome that fear. We have the ability through self-control to control our thoughts and to control our actions to move through that fear. But what God has done is he has guaranteed that at the end of the day, what is our true fear, that our life will not be what it was supposed to be, will be erased because Jesus will make sure that the life you are supposed to have will still exist. And so what about this fear of God? John Piper describes the fear of God like this. I thought it was so great. I, I, I can't say it any better. The fear of God is like a, a person in the midst of a ravaging storm threatening to kill them on a difficult terrain that they can't navigate. They're in the middle of the storm knowing that they're about to die because the storm's going to overwhelm them. And yet in a moment, they find a shelter, a place where they can get out of the storm. The fear of God is like that storm. It's something that you would never want to fight against. It's something that you would never want to be in judgment from. It is it an adversary that would always overtake you and it would do away with you. And so you have great fear. And yet what God has done through Jesus by giving us the cross and walking out of an empty tomb is he has given us a shelter to be out of the storm and yet still see the storm with fear and trembling, but to know that we are saved. 
from it. That's the love of God that while His judgment is something to be feared, He has given us a shelter from that judgment through Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to leave you with on this Easter day. I know you've got lots of plans, and most of you, you wore your relaxed pants. You're probably going to eat a lot today. Your kids are going to get a lot of candy, and you're not going to get a nap because they're not going to stop. I know you've got lots of things that are happening, and I know that you're going to leave this place with a list of other things to do, and you're probably going to download the podcast and listen to this sermon all day long, aren't you? And maybe not. But what I want to leave you with today is simply this, is that God's love for you is overwhelming. What Jesus did on that cross was not just for this little bitty portion here, but all this life that exists after we leave this broken place. If we were to go around the room and you were just to share, what are the things in your life that you look forward to in heaven? We would say things like, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more misery, no more uncertainty. That is what all of this is. What God has prepared for us. Jesus said, I'm going, to, I'm going to leave you. And where I'm going, you can't follow me yet. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when it's time, I'm going to bring you to where I am. That is this place. Can we change the way we think when it comes to fear and recognize that this is so inadequate if this is where we spend all our time? There is so much more to spend all that we have. I want to leave you with three ideas and then we're going to close with a song. And the first one is this. Your life is an eternal existence. God is love is the second. God is love. And the third is this. There is no fear that can withstand the love of God in your life. If someone is to take your life, think of all that you gain. I don't fear for the lives of my children. I don't want them anything to happen to my children. I don't want to live life without my children. So I want to go before they go. But I'm not afraid for them to die because I know where they're going. I don't want them to die badly. If my kids want to go on spring break to a rant, they're not going. <laughs> if God places a call in their life to be a missionary to Iran, I'll be scared every day but I won't be afraid for them to die because that's just a small portion of their story. There's so much more. Whatever your fear is, what if you don't have the retirement that you wanted? What if you don't have the career that gets you all the things you wanted? What if you don't get the house and the car and all those things? Or what if you've got a friend that did better than you, but you always knew you were smarter than them, but they still made more money than you? See, that's small thinking. Do we think about what the bigger picture is? That's what we do with Easter. Because in the midst of the storm that was threatening to overwhelm us all, Jesus gave his life so that we could be sheltered and we could have an eternity with him in heaven. This morning, I want to pray with you. I want to do something we don't often do here at Journey, but I want to do a good old-fashioned altar call. 
I want to give you the opportunity to make this decision. If you're going to make a decision to follow Christ, I quite honestly can't think of a better day in which to do it on the day that we celebrate Jesus conquered death and sin for you. I want to give you an opportunity to come up and pray if you'd like to pray. Some of you are dealing with some specific fears, and right now you're thinking, okay, God, I need you to help me with these fears. Maybe that fear is that you're going to lose something precious to you. I give you an opportunity to come up and just pray. Whatever it is that God moves in your heart, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond today on this Easter day. Because this is the day that we celebrate that God saved the world. Just pray with me. Father, God, I thank you for the incredible love that you've given us. I thank you that you loved us so greatly that you chose to judge sin because you knew how destructive it was in our lives. God, I thank you that you chose to offer your son for us because you knew that we would never be able to overcome the destruction of sin on our own. Father, I thank you that no matter what we've experienced in life, fear does not have to dominate us. It doesn't have to control us. We have a way to go, a place to be. God, I thank you that you didn't create us just for your pleasure, just to watch us as we live a short life and then we die, but instead you created us to be eternal with you in heaven. I pray for those in this room, and right now they would, they would like nothing more than to live life without fear, and yet they're struggling. It's hard to believe in the power of God working through their fear because their fear feels so overwhelming on its own. It's hard to feel that they can have self-control and be able to choose to focus their thoughts and their actions because the fear is so crippling. Father, sometimes it's just hard to see that you are there and you are real. And I pray that you would make yourself real to those in this room. As I've seen you to be, as I've experienced you in my life, many of us in this room have. Let us live lives without fear so that we can follow you, that we can know you, and we can share you with others. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that is seeking to, to know you and they're ready as to, for an end to this life that they've lived so far, they're ready for the beginning of everything here to come. Pray you give them the courage to not just recognize that need, but to take the steps to follow you. Change us here in this place, not just today, but every day. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.